It's called the Joshua Principle. And I wanted to share this. This is in relation to, you know, many of the things we do as a church individually in our ministries. Now, this is not, the title of this message is not my original. Um, it was, um, it was a devotional written by a pastor a long time ago. And, and I just want to share uh, the principles he had in his devotional, but turn it into a sermon uh, and give you more details as well beyond just what was written in the devotional. But, but I want to focus on this today instead of going to Revelation today because, you know, we're still coming off the camp. And, and I know some of you, you enjoy the camp, but, but the, the heart of the reason why we did the camp is to reach the nation for Christ. And, and, and as, as believers, in anything we do, whether you are sharing the gospel to different kinds of people from different backgrounds or, or, or serving uh, in, a, in the food ministry or serving in the media ministry or music ministry. We want to be effective, right? We want to be effective. We want to be successful in what we do. Amen? We want to succeed. We want to do good, right? If when we share the gospel, we want people to listen to us. We want people to hear the message, right? That is what we would desire, no, no one shares the gospel and say, okay, uh, I don't really want that person to be saved. You know, that's not the point, right? Your point of sharing the gospel is that you want the person to be saved, to come to know Jesus Christ, to grow in faith in Christ. And, and so this is where the Joshua principle comes in. And in our human nature, even in our human, earthly nature, we want to be successful right we want to have good success you know as parents we want our children to be successful we want our children to do good in life that they can they'll graduate from college they'll have a job uh, earn money they have their own family and kids and, and and as you grow older you want to have grandkids as well i mean that's really the human nature right we want to ha we want that to happen to our kids uh and also for for students, you want to be successful in school, right? You want to have good grades, honors, cum laude, or summa cum laude. I'm not even in those three when I was in college. <laughs> I was just looking at the cum laude's walking. Uh, you know, you want to be at that level. You want to, be su to succeed in school. You want to be successful in your career, in your business, Right? Uh, we want to be successful in ministry as well. This is, this is human nature. You know. But in our passage today, this also reveals to us something in relation to God himself. And we're going to go back to this more and more. But I just want to show you that even in Joshua 1, 7, it is also God's will for us to have good success. It is God's will for us to be successful as well. Listen to that word. You may have good success. That's what God is telling Joshua here. And I'm going to tell you what Joshua needs to do. But clearly you can see that God wants us to have good success. Even in the next passage in verse 8, the passage that Sheila read as well. You see that God says here that you will make your way prosperous and that you will have good success. Twice in this passage mentioned good success and and all of us we understand the definition of success according to the world 
to understand this. You know, today we look at people like uh, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. We say, okay, these are the uh, successful people today in the business or entrepreneurship uh, kind of world. You know, we say they are successful people. Uh, they gain prestige, power, possession, wealth, uh, building a successful company. So we can say, okay, these are successful people. Well, there are many successful people in this world according to the world's standards, right? There are many. Just think about how many companies are opening up almost every day and the companies are you know, gaining success in, in the business world. But for us believers in Christ, even for the Jews, God has a different definition of success. And we would like to know what is God's definition of success? What is good success in the eyes of God? And sometimes, good success in the eyes of God might look like the world. You know, when you're successful in the eyes of God, sometimes it might look like what the world thinks as successful. Think, think about Joshua. On the surface, Joshua and, he, and the Israelites went into the promised land and, and they conquered those nations. They overcome those nations, won you know, the battles against the Canaanites and they gained the promised land. So think about this. I mean, if, if from a worldly standpoint, Oh, oh, it was just gaining property, gaining real estate property, <laughs> and, and, and gaining power against those people, against those Canaanites, against uh, their enemies. Yes, it might look like the world, world's definition of a success, but the underlying principle, the foundation behind that success is totally, totally different. Meaning, when the world sees success, and when we see success, it might look the same, but behind the scenes, the foundation for us Christians, for the Jews back then, is very, very different. It's not the same as the world. It's not the same. You know, I tried to look at the word, before we come to that definition of success, according to the word of God, I tried to search how many times the word success is mentioned in the Old Testament. And there's a few times. Uh-oh. Um, that cable there is uh, broken. Can you try re receipt the cable? Yeah. Uh, and what's going on with our connections there? Okay. Um, I, I look at different... Uh, the number of times the word success is mentioned in the, in the Old Testament. So let me um, go to that. Yeah, well, our screen has reset. Um, so let me just give you a few times. There's more than a dozen. But let me just give you a few. For instance, Genesis. Uh, this is in Genesis 39.2. This is what this passage says. This is Joseph in the house of Potiphar. And this is how Joseph is, is described in this passage. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And we know Joseph, he was successful in everything that God put him into. Like when he was in the prison, when he was in the house of the Pharaoh, you know, serving the Pharaoh. He was successful. We can say he was successful. The Bible describes him as successful. Um, 
Uh, Nehemiah 2.20 also. This is also what we see. When God asked Nehemiah, Nehemiah to rebuild the temple of Israel, uh, of Jer Jerusalem, uh, sorry, the, the walls of Jerusalem, this is what Nehemiah said. The God of heaven will give us success. Meaning, when the walls was built and has been built, you know, uh, it was a success. It was a success. Another, another thing also found in the Old Testament, also Solomon, when he built the temple and, the, and his palace, uh, it says here, he successfully accomplished it. You know, you see the word there, success again. But, there, but one thing you'll notice in all this, in the life of Joseph, we know that it was God who brought Joseph to Egypt. Even though it was his brothers who tried to uh, do something bad, you know, they, they sold Joseph actually to, to, to traders. But behind the scenes, it was really God brought him to Egypt. So we know that Joseph was brought by God to Egypt. We know the temple was a command by God. Uh, you know, it was God who said, told David to build a temple. We know also that Nehemiah, it was also God who asked Nehemiah to rebuild the walls. It was also God's will. So, so we can come to a definition of success from Scripture based on just these examples. Success to a believer, success to, to God's people is simply this. The ability to find what God wants him to do and do it. Meaning success for you is simply finding out, knowing what God wants you to do and be able to do it. Right? Whether it's huge or insignificant in your eyes, big or small, maybe you're going to have uh, a lot of things accomplished or little things accomplished, more, lots of, you know, impact, minimal impact. Point is, if that is what God wants you to do and you do it, you are successful. You are successful. Amen? So, it is simply the ability to find what God wants him to do, wants you to do, and do it. So, our key passage for today, out of everything that uh, Sister Sheila just read, we're just going to focus on this passage, Joshua 1.8. You've probably heard this many, many times. But, want to be successful in what we do as a church, in reaching to the nations, in doing ministry, we want to be successful. Right? Uh, but, and, and so, to be successful, we need to obey what is called the Joshua Principle. The Joshua Principle. And it is found in this passage. The Joshua Principle is found in this passage. And let's just read this passage together. Let's read this together so that you'll internalize this passage with me. The book of the, the, book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Who does not want this? No one, right? You all want this, right? You want your way to be prosperous. You want to have good success. And this is not prosperous according to the world's definition. This is not good success according to the world's definition. This is good success according to what God defines. How he defines good success. 
which is knowing his will, knowing what to do according to his will, and being able to do it. Amen? So, I'm going to give you from this passage three what is called principles or the Joshua principles based on this passage. And there are three. Uh, I'll explain each of this. The first one is daily orientation to God's word. Second is determined obedience to God's word. And the third one is definite outcome, which is good success in the eyes of God. Yeah. Good success in the eyes of God. So let me just remind you, I put some... Uh, um, what do you call this? Uh, <laughs> this, this is, uh, yeah, answer, answer sheet on your, on your, uh, on your chairs. So I hope each of you has a copy. If we have more copies there at the back, and you're you're gonna work with me on this. This is gonna be kind of a workshop, and we're gonna do some kind of workshop today after each point, and, and I'm gonna ask you to answer that later on. So. So let's start with, with uh, let's start with daily orientation to God's word, and this is found in the very first part of that passage. It says here, "This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Meditate on the word of God day and night." Now think of orientation as the needle of the on the compass. It's it it has to be oriented to the true north, right? The magnetic north, as they say, is not the not the physical north. I think the yeah, true north, uh, magnetic north. In the same way, our lives has to be oriented or um, the aligned to the true north of God's word. Our lives has to be oriented or aligned to the true north of God's word. You know, back in the day, in the Old Testament, God spoke with an audible voice to his servants. Abraham, God spoke with an audible voice. To Moses, God met Moses in the burning bush. He met with Moses in Mount Sinai and met with Moses in the tent of meeting. So Moses heard what God said in those meetings, right? Even Joseph, God spoke to Joseph in through dreams, dreams, right? However, when this command was given to Joshua, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, you shall meditate, meditate on it day and night. This was the very first time that the first five books of the Bible has been completed. It's been, it's ready. It's, it's there. Uh, by this time, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy at this point in time. And this was... Moses was not around at this point in time now. And it's interesting that, Mo that God didn't tell, jo tell Joshua, hey, go to the tent of meeting. Hey, go to Mount Sinai and talk to me. Hey, find your burning bush. Talk to, your burning talk to me in that burning bush. You know, God didn't say these things to Joshua. What did Joshua, or what did God tell Joshua? Meditate on his loss, on his word. Interesting. Very different than what Moses, uh, Abraham, and Joseph experienced in the past. This is the first time in this history that God is going to speak now through a book. 
through a book. The God of Israel is going to speak through a book. Although this was collected in time, put together in time by Moses throughout their wanderings in the wilderness. But at this point in time, nabuo na. Completo. Complete. The first five books, which is what we call the Torah, the laws. The law. The law of Moses. And commanded, then Joshua, God commanded Joshua to meditate on this written word. Amen? And it's the very same book you have in your hands right now. The first, and Joshua only had the first five. That's why I have those color tabs there because it's easy for me to just open. Joshua had the first five. Amen? You have the same book that Joshua has, right? Back then. And, and, and the command is for us to align our days every day with the Word of God. Aligns our heart, align our mind to the Word of God. You know, when you, do, when you have a company orientation, when you work for a company, you have a company orientation. And what they do in that orientation is to help you align to the values, to the principles of what the company stands, you know, what they stand and what they believe and what their mission is, vision is. You know, you align yourself to the company. In the same way, when, you, when God is telling Joshua, hey, align yourself with me, orient yourself towards what I desire, what I want. And how do you do it? By meditating on my word day and night. Remember what Jesus said? He said in, in John 15, 19, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father is doing for whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Jesus is doing the very same thing that God is commanding Joshua to do, to align himself to the Father. Whatever the Father does, Jesus will do. Same thing for us. Whatever Jesus does, whatever God does, we do. That's the idea of meditating on the Word of God. That is the idea of meditating on the Word of God. It's more than just reading your Bible. It is aligning to what God desires for your life for that day. And for that week. And for that year. And for the rest of your life. That's why Jesus... This tells us, this is, this is the reason why Jesus would wake up in the morning and the very first thing Jesus does in the morning, he would spend time with his father while it was still dark and he would be hanging out with his father, spending time with his father because he is aligning himself, orienting himself towards what his father's desire is for that day and for that moment maybe or for that week. So meditating on the word of God, when you meditate on the word of God, it's no different than when Abraham spoke to God and heard God's voice. It is no different than Moses was standing on the holy ground before the burning bush, before the burning bush and listening to God speak to him. It's no different than Moses in Mount, on Mount Sinai talking to God himself. It's no different. It's the same. And sometimes we, we, we sometimes say, oh, it's better. How? Barang, barang, they're, they're, they seem to be much better because they hear the voice of God. Or Moses saw this fire bush that's burning and that's not, you know, it's not, the, it's, you know, the bush is not being burnt up. But, uh, or, or Moses was in Mount Sinai seeing, you know, an appearance of God, hearing God's voice, getting the tablets. Sometimes we think like that. 
But let me tell you, every time you come before the Word of God, it's that same experience. Being in the very presence of God. And on Mount Sinai, in, in front of that burning bush. So, what, is, what does it mean to meditate on the Word of God when we are commanded to meditate on the Word of God day and night? I know some of you, you read your Bible in the morning. Some of you, you listen to audio Bibles on your car. Are you meditating on the Word of God when you do that? According to Wisdom, I... Thank you. <laughs> Series S. <laughs> meditating is more than just reading. So if you just read your Bible in the morning, what you are doing, you're just simply reading the Bible. When you listen to your audio Bible in the car, what you're doing is you're just listening to, your, to the Bible. But that's not what meditating is. Neither it's not also like the, you know, like the Eastern religion where you will just hum and, and repeat some mantra. That's not also what it means to meditate on the Word of God. You're not just repeating words over and over. Meditating on the Word of God is, you probably heard this already, it's the idea of a cow chewing the cud, right? When, when, a, when a goat or a cow eats, probably Randy knows this now. <laughs> we have a farmer in the room now. So, so you, you know, a cow, uh, when, when he eats grass, he puts it somewhere in his stomach. I don't know what to dis- how to describe it. It's a bit gross. But he comes out, brings back that food again, <laughs> and brings it back to his mouth, and he chews it again, and puts it back. Then when he had some free time, I'm going to chew again the grass. Over and over, he would just chew that grass over and over, you know, extract every drop of nutrient from that grass, from that food. You know, humans, we don't do that. <laughs> Once you swallow your food, you're done. <laughs> it's hopeless. You cannot bring it back. If you ate unhealthy stuff, it's down there already. Sorry. You ate a nice uh, tres leches cake like yesterday. I'm sorry, you also, it's in your stomach. It's going to add to your cholesterol. <laughs> you cannot take it back. <laughs> but, but think of the cow, you know, chewing the cud, the, this, this, this food over and over, extracting every nutrient. And, and so this is what meditation looks like. You think of what you're reading. You think of the word over and over. Consider everything that you're reading, um, trying to internalize it, understand it, what it's saying, put it in your heart, put it in your thoughts, you study it, maybe say it with your lips, read it aloud, um, meaning do everything you can to really understand what you're reading, to figure out what this passage is talking about, what insights, what thoughts, what truth, what ideas you can grasp from this passage. So what I'm going to do, the first thing I want you to do is grab that pen and paper. And first thing I want you to do is simply rewrite that passage on that first blank there. Just rewrite that passage on the first blank. There's four boxes. Uh, the first box there, just rewrite the verse again. And I want you to read it afterwards. Just read it on your own. Verbally. Just read it on your own. Verbally. That's the first thing I want you to do. I hope you can do it uh, quickly because you can continue.
Just write the passage. Because I want you to internalize that passage to really in understand what it is. It's a bit long, but the idea of writing down so that you will remember every word. <laughs> you remember every word in the passage. That's why I want you to write it down. Copy it. There's a there's a version, there's a ESB translation on top there. Just just verse eight. By the way, just focus on verse eight. It's one verse. During my devotional times, that is the very first thing I usually do. I would copy the verse from the Bible and just write it on my notebook. I would write the verse that I'm meditating. And I would read it sometimes once, twice. But I make sure that I write it down so that I'll have more. I'm just like chewing the cud. Okay. Okay, I know some of you are fast writers. Who's done writing? Okay, few. Good. Wow. <laughs> well done, Carlo. Okay, who else is done? Writing? Okay, David? Renell? Set? Okay, so the rest while you're writing, for those who are done, uh, I think I have mo most now. Some are smiling, watching, looking at me already, so you're done. <laughs> okay, okay, let's, let's read this passage again, carefully this time. You know, we just read it earlier, but let's read this carefully together again. Read that from your notes, because I know you can understand your writing better. <laughs> this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Then you will have good success. When you begin to read this passage and read it carefully, you, you're able to find certain truths here. You're able to find that God, He is for success. He is for good success according to His will. He also, we can also find here that God wants us to obey all. Not, not some of His commands, but all of His commands. We also find here that God wants you to spend time in His Word, not just day, but also night. Amen. There's, there's still a lot of other things. So the next box there, 
There's three dots there, meaning you write three things. And this is what you're going to do. I want you to write three insights or things that you can glean from this passage. There's probably more than three, but just pick three. What, what truths, what insight, what ideas, what uh, uh, principles can you glean from you get from this passage? Just write three things. Just write three things. You know, for me, just to give you some idea, for me, probably God is commanding me to meditate, spend time on His Word every single day and not miss a day with Him. For me, I would say, I need to write, I need to obey all His commands. I, do, I just don't pick the good ones. And I would skip the difficult ones. He says, I need to obey all his commands. Not some of his commands. I can also write down, God wants me to be successful according to his will. God wants me to be prosperous according to his will, according to what he defines as what, what success is or what prosperity is, prosperity is according to his will. There's also an interesting statement there. For then you will make your way. Wow. Meaning when you come to know the word, word of God, you'll be able to figure out how, what to do to make yourself Successful. Because it says there, you will make your way prosperous. Meaning God, you will learn things to help you become successful in doing the will of God. Three things. Just three things. Okay, let me, as you write, let me go to the next point. Next one is determined obedience to God's word. Determined obedience to God's word. It is the next statement there in that passage. The second point is, so that you may be careful to do according to all what is written. So the first Joshua principle is, meditate on the word of God. Second Joshua principle, meaning meditate or align yourself, orient yourself to the word of God, to God himself. The second Joshua principle is, be careful to do whatever God commands you to do. Be careful to do according to all what is, that is written in it. Meaning, be careful to do what the word of God tells you to do. The word determined, we talk about determined obedience, means making a decision, resolving and telling yourself, I'm going to obey this, I'm going to do this. Every time you read the word of God, before you even read the word of God, you need to have that resolution in your heart. Whatever I'm going to find out today, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. You know, I, I shared this a few times. Uh, many times in the past. Uh, I, there was a point where I had a, a disagreement with my cousin. And, and I didn't like the way he's doing things. So I told myself, I don't, want, I don't want to have anything to do with my cousin. Then that morning, as I was meditating on the word of God, I came to a verse Forgot the exact reference, but I came to a verse that said, He who does not care or provide for his own relatives, he is worse than an unbeliever. 
that moment when I thought in my heart, I don't want to have to do, do anything with my cousin, I came across that verse. That I am worse than an unbeliever. I'm worse than an unbeliever if I don't care, I don't provide, I don't have you know, a good relationship with my own relative. And God convicted me. And basically, what God wanted me to do that day is to reconcile with my cousin. And I need to do that, even though I didn't like it. <laughs> I need to do it. You know, whenever you, whenever you read the word of God, especially the word the God, when God speaks to the nation of Israel, whenever you hear the words of Jesus as he speaks to his disciples and the people in the Gospels, you don't hear these kinds of words. You know, you don't hear God telling Moses, Hey Moses, uh, the Ten Commandments, this, are, this is just an FYI. This is just, Moses, that's just for your information. You don't hear God telling David, David, I suggest that you build the temple. <laughs> I don't know if you ever read the word suggest in the Bible, especially coming out of the mouth of God or coming out of Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard, ever heard Jesus saying, uh, Peter, I suggest you follow me. <laughs> Have you ever heard that in the mouth of Christ? No. Right? Jesus doesn't give any suggestions. Jesus doesn't give any opinions. He, that, that, that you can have, you, can have an, you, you have the option to either uh, do this or do that or do this. You know, he doesn't give you, sometimes he doesn't even give you a choice. In terms of different choices, usually he, he has only one, one thing he tells you. And the only option for you to do is either to believe or to reject. Either to obey or disobey. And look at the way God speaks in the Old Testament. Every time he speaks, it's either you simply you obey or disobey. Either accept or reject. Nothing in between. Nothing in the middle. You notice that? There's no middle ground for God. There is none. Either you accept him or reject him, believe him or, dis or reject him, obey him or disobey him. So whenever you come to the word of God, when you read the word of God, it's not a suggestion. It's not an opinion that God just, just trying to tell you, hey, this is for your information, David, or this is for information, Clay or Carlo. It's not, it doesn't work that way. Whenever you come to the word of God, it is always, always a command. There is something that you need to do. There is something that you need to do. You know, when Abraham spoke to Moses, just think about this. Every moment God spoke to Moses, every moment God spoke to Abraham, was there an outcome of those conversations? Was there something that came out of it? Yes. When, when, Moses, when Moses met with God in the burning bush, with the, uh, on the, in the burning bush, when God was in the burning bush, what, did, what came out of it? Moses delivering the nation of Israel from the hands of Pharaoh. When Moses was with God on Mount Sinai, what came out of it? The giving of the laws, the giving of the Ten Commandments. And what, what is the Ten Commandments? It is God's standard for how we ought to live lives according to the will of God. It's all commands. 
Amen. It's all commands. In fact, in James 1.22, we are told that we ought to be doers of his word and not hearers only. You know, when, because of your human limitation, because we are humans and we cannot really accept a lot of things at the same time, a lot of things at a single moment in time, when we come to the Word of God, He gives it to us in parcels, in small parcels, in, in small segments, you know, one small thing at a time, one day at a time, one thing at a time oftentimes. It's like taking one step at a time. That's why when you meditate on the Word of God, you don't really meditate on a lot of things. You just focus on one small things at a time in the Word of God because you'll be overwhelmed. We don't have the capacity to, to learn a lot of things and try to obey all those things at the same time. That's why God wants us to meditate every day, day and night, because we can only eat small bite-sized portions of the, word of, on the, of the Word of God and obey those small portions. Right? That's why we are to meditate day and night, every day, daily thing, a daily thing. One challenge, I mean, one struggle for many Christians that I see is they always ask this question, like, 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 what is God's will for my life? What is God's purpose for me in this city or in this world? What is God calling me to do? Have you asked these questions? Right? We always ask this, what is God's will? Or we, for single people, we always ask this question, who is the person I'm going to marry? Is, is this the right person? Is this the right man? Or is it the right girl? That I should be marrying or dating and marrying. You know, we ask this question, what is your will, God? And the problem with this kind of thinking, if we keep on going back to these questions, we sometimes get stuck in our lives. You know, we get, we get suspended in, our, in, in the, what God wants for us, and we sort of sometimes run in circles when we, we're stuck with this question. I think these are not the right questions to ask. I mean, these are good questions, but you should not spend, waste your time on those questions. Because there's an even more important question. The more important question is, have you made a commitment? Have you made a decision? Have you de are you determined to do everything that is written in the Word of God? I think that's an even more important question to ask yourself have i made a commitment am i determined to do everything that god commands me to do so the next activity number two is three things just write three things what do you sense in your heart because of this sermon because of this passage what do you sense in your god in your heart god is telling you to do this very moment this very moment what is god telling your heart you just write three things. Just one sentence. You, you don't have to write a novel. Just one, just one sentence. What is God telling me to do this very moment? For me, it's clear out of this passage. He might be telling me, I should wake up every morning and spend time with him and his word. Faithfully. I would practice what it means to meditate on the word of God. Maybe I would write down also, whenever I read the Bible, I am determined to obey what it says. Just write three things. 
What do you sense? Because I know God is speaking to you right now. Spirit is speaking to you. And there is something he's telling you, hey, Carlo, I want you to do this. There is. I'm sure there is. Because Spirit of God speaks. He speaks all the time. Just three things. What he wants you to do because of this passage, because of this sermon. And the last point, which is just short here, the shortest one, there is a definite outcome. There is a definite outcome of the Joshua principle. So if we obey the first two principles, meditating on the word of God day and night, obeying everything that you come across in the word of whatever God is revealing to you. Remember, every time you read the Bible, there's a command in there. There is a command in there. Even, even verses that are seem to be generic, you don't see a, an, an actual command, there is still a command in there. There is still a command in there. So, meditating on the word of God, be careful to obey everything that he has commanded you. When you obey the first two principles, there is a definite outcome. And this is what this passage says. It says there, for, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. You will have good success. This includes your ministry. This includes whatever you pursue in life according to the will of God. Now, 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 some of you are saying, Al, I don't really know what the will of God, what will I pursue? How can I be successful? I don't even know the will of God. I don't even know what He wants me to do. Go back to the Joshua principle. Are you spending time in the Word of God every day? Are you meditating on His Word every day? Are you making a decision? You're making a commitment? Are you committing yourself to obey whatever you learn? Because when you begin to practice the first two principles, the will of God becomes clear. It's like, it's like having a new pair of glasses. And then once you fulfill the first two principles, you become aware of the will of God. Remember when, what Jesus said? I see what the Father is doing and I'm joining him. Jesus already had this, has these glasses that he is able to see what the Father is doing. And what he does, he simply joins him. And that's the point of the will of God. It's not some kind of a list that God is going to give you. Hey, uh, hey, Sean, I'm going to give you a list. Do this, do this, do that. Sometimes we think of God's will as a list. It's not. It is changing your heart. It is changing who you are. It's changing your mind. It's changing your whole being that you become aware of what God is doing in this world around you, in your life. You become conscious. Once you were dead, now you're alive. Once I was in darkness, now I'm in the light. I'm able to see, wow, this is God, what God is doing. Then I'm just going to join Him. I'm just going to follow what He's doing because I can see now what God is doing. And for me as a pastor, it's amazing that, that bang, it's just like sparks. I can just see, oh, this is what God is doing. And let's go for this. Let's do this. 
Because now God has given me a lens or a pair of glasses that I can see better. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I still miss a lot of things. But, but more and more, I can see you now clearly, wow, this is what God is doing. Let's do this. And you get more and more of this. You can understand better the things of God and His ways in this world. It's like what Jesus said. I just see what a father is doing and I join him in what, I, what he is doing. And then, he says there, you will have good success. You know, when we moved to Austin a long time ago, seven, uh, 2007, we had a desire to just move to a city where myself, Ariel and his family, and Anne and his family will be together in the same city. And our desire was just simply to move to that city. We were all together. And Austin went up to the top of our list. For us, it was just going to Austin, nothing more. What's amazing is we were so resolved. Our, our resolve was so strong to go to Austin. What's in Austin? I don't know. Is, there, is Austin better than other cities? Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of things, things we didn't know. We just said we want to go to the city. And we had certain criteria. Why? But it doesn't mean that it's really the best or out there. But we just we had a resolve to just come to Austin, and we don't really we didn't understand fully what it meant, and lo and behold, later on, it was God's plan, <laughs> because that's a few years later the church started, and it had never really crossed our mind that we'll be involved in starting a church in Austin, <laughs> never really crossed my mind that I can become I'll be pastoring a church in Austin, never, and bang it just it just happened and. And God revealed all these things in the right time. But at that moment, we already somehow had the lens to see this is where God wants us to be. Very limited. All we know is just go to Austin. And the next thing God was telling me while I was working for, my, for AMD here a few years ago, many years ago, many already, God was telling me, I'll stay in Austin. <laughs> Not only telling me to go, us to go to Austin, but telling me, I'll stay in Austin. I wanted to move to different cities to get another job in Utah. I was invited by my former boss. It's, it was very clear. God, God was telling me, I'll stay. <laughs> and it was, that was a year or two before the church started. So God was already giving me the lens. So all these principles we just learned today is really found in every part of Scripture. I believe this is all true Scripture. Um, and the reason why we are successful, because of verse 9. This is the reason why we, we, become, we have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Meaning God is going to be with you. That's why you have good success. Amen? Amen. And this is found all over scripture. Psalm chapter 1. You'll be like a tree planted by the streams of water. When you meditate on the word day and night, you'll be, your leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Uh, uh, Joshua 1.7 also tells us the same thing. Let's just move quickly. Uh, Matthew 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, uh, Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Huh, this is a constant. The Joshua principle is over all over Scripture. Over Scripture, it's all over Scripture. 
If you're not finding your ministry, if you're questioning, Lord, what is my ministry? You begin to ask yourself, am I obedient to the Joshua principle? If you're not successful in your ministry, when you preach the gospel, you, you, don't, you don't see people coming to Christ. You're not successful in winning people to Christ. Or you're not, you're not seeing people come to Christ through your life. You need to ask yourself, am I obedient to the Joshua principle? Am I? Have you ever done ministry and somehow your ministry starts to fizzle out? You know, people are not going to come, are not coming anymore. I've seen that many times <laughs> when, when doing ministry then eventually no one is showing up. I've seen that many times. I begin to ask myself, am I faithful to the Joshua principle? Are you living in anxiety and fear? Like right now, there's a resurgence of COVID and, and I know some of us are fearful of this increased cases in Austin again. You know, maybe the reason why you're anxious, living in fear, is you need to go back. Am I faithful to the Joshua principle? Because good success here is not just talking about business, ministry, things like that, but also your heart. Your heart. Might be lack of joy in your heart, lack of peace. Maybe that's one reason. Is that you're not faithful in the Joshua principle, meaning you are not spending time in the Word of God and determined to obey it. Let's all rise up. Let this be our commitment. The last box there is a prayer. You can write it later, but let's just pray it together. Pray it on your own. And what you're going to do is just whatever the list that you had, the commands that you feel in your heart God is telling you, you know, you sense in your heart that God is telling you to do, present it before God and tell Him, you know, look at the list that you have. What God wants you to do. Stand before God and tell Him, Lord, I ask for your power, for your grace, for your mercy, Lord, to do everything, all that you have commanded me to do this very moment, Lord. Whatever those three things that you've written down, tell him, Lord, give me the power, the strength, the ability to do all this, Lord, faithfully, O oh God. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, what you did right this very Sunday on that piece, on that piece of paper is what you call your daily devotional time. What you did right now is what you call your daily devotional time. Because this is what we are called to do every single day. Every single day. Lord God, ask for your grace, O oh God, that we, Lord, as your people, we are obedient, O oh God, to your word. That we, are, have a heart, we have hearts that are willing, Lord, to do whatever you reveal to us, all that you command us to do, Lord. And each day, Lord God, I believe, Lord, that you have a command for me, you have a command for each of my brothers and sisters, Lord. Lord, I pray that you give them a willing, willing heart to obey you, Lord. 
Lord, help us, Lord God, to be faithful in, in, in our time with you each day, to orient our mind, our hearts, and all of our being, O oh God, to you and your word, O oh God, to align ourselves with you, that as we read your word, we see clearly the message that you have for us, O oh God. We understand fully what you're telling us as we read your scripture, your word, because it is you, Lord God, speaking to us, Lord God, in, a, in the most intimate way, O oh God. You speak to us in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. You take your word and bring, make it real, make, come bring, bring it to life before us as we come to your word. I pray that this is the case for all my brothers and sisters, O oh God, that as they come to you in your presence each day, O oh God, Lord, your word just comes alive, O oh God, and speaks to them because it is you speaking to them, Lord. And Lord, they will understand things that only comes from you, wisdom that comes from you. Reveal things to them that they will, Lord, otherwise they will never know, O oh God, that they will come to know in only by being in your very presence, O oh God. Speak to them. Give them the motivation, O oh God, the, the strength, O oh God, to wake up if they do this in the morning, to wake up early, Lord God, and sit down before you or stand before you and you in your word. And meditate on your word, O oh God. Lord, I pray also, Lord God, that we are will be committed, O oh God, determined, O oh God, whatever things you want us to do, Lord, we will obey, O oh God. We'll put it in our calendars, O oh God. Plan to do it, O oh God. Give us that kind of heart, that determination to make it as part of our day's to-do list or goals in life, if, it's, if, 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 if it is something huge or significant, let it be part of who we are, oh God. What we intend to do with our lives for that day or for the year, oh God. To do exactly what you want us to do. Whether it's a ministry, Lord, or to forgive a person, or to reconcile with a person, or, or to serve someone, Lord, or to give to someone, Lord, something, oh God, Lord, we will put it on our calendar. We'll put it as part of our goals in life. If it's something major, oh God, Lord, help us to be determined to obey you, Lord. And Lord, your promise stands that when we begin to obey what you revealed to Joshua, Lord, the principles you revealed to Joshua. Oh God, we hold on to your promise that you, you make our way prosperous and you give us good success. Not the prosperity that the world thinks or believes that is material and temporal, but good success and prosperous, oh God, in your eyes, oh God, in your eyes from your point of view. And we know in our heart, Lord God, when, when we are successful, Lord. Because, Lord God, we, we know your will. We know that what you want us to do, Lord. And we were able to do it, Lord God. Lord, may this mindset, oh God, be upon my brothers and sisters. Determined to know what you want us to do and do it, Lord. Oh God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power, oh God. May your grace be upon us as we face another week, oh God. Thank you, Lord. And once again, we lift those brothers and sisters, oh God, who are struggling today, especially those who are sick, oh God. Lord, 
bring deliverance and healing. You know who they are, Lord. Bring them unto your throne. If they're struggling this very moment, Lord, grant them relief, oh God. Thank you, Lord. And also, Lord, once again, we entrust our lives unto your protection. The way you protected Paul, oh God, when he was bitten by a viper, oh God, in the island of uh, Malta, oh God, Lord, he wasn't hurt by it, Lord, because he was right at the center of your will, doing, seeking your kingdom first, seeking your righteousness first, and you protected him. And everything he needed, you provided. Same thing for us, Lord. We are doing exactly what you called us to do, Lord, and everything else we just entrust to you will be added unto us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.